What's going on, guys? It's Yahavi David, St. Clair Speaks, and you are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app and start your journey today. It's that time. All right. It's okay. So I don't know if you heard my introduction. I did. Oh, I love when someone says that. All right, let's get started. What's going on, guys? It's your hobby, David. St. Clair Speaks. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speak Show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. I'm your host, Yahavi St. Clair. Guys, we are sitting here with an impactful guest. I personally feel that I am literally 30 minutes deep into this interview already. We was chit-chatting. We're talking about all things about being an author, how to market yourself, how to tell your story efficiently. I am super excited to be sitting down with Sheila Kennedy from The Zebra Inc., What Sheila does is the Zebra Inc. opens the door for opportunities for authors, speakers, entrepreneurs to build their their platforms and scale their profits by helping promote a clear message of understanding by publishing and marketing and speaking to build an audience and create a profitable business. Sheila, it is an honor and a pleasure to have you on the St. Clair Speak Show podcast Please give an, our audience, uh, say, a three to five minute introduction on yourself, your brand, your business, and of course, what brings you onto the St. Clair Speak Show podcast? <laughs> well, it is a pleasure to be here, sir. I can tell you that for sure. I love your energy. And um, it is, like I said, it is a pleasure to be here. Um, I started my company, my current company, The Zebra Inc., about five years ago as a result of, um, I was authoring books and I had had an experience with, you know, a, a publisher that wasn't exactly everything that I wanted it to be. Um, and when my last book had come out, I was just kind of like, okay, I think it can be done differently. I think that there could be another way to, to um, make a splash and do this and provide, um, in, you know, information and knowledge and you know a platform for other people to do the same thing so i didn't want anybody to have i didn't want anybody to go through the publishing experience and say i wish i had or this wasn't the best thing i you know i'm sorry i did this um so i i work really hard on making sure that i do open the doors of opportunity for authors and we build their pages i help them write their book you know we take um, books from ideation to publication and um, so we, you know, they come to me a lot of times with an idea and then we form it, we write it, you know, they write it um, and then take it through the process um, so that they can get it published. All right. So let, let's kind of like swing back. Let's swing right. back. I don't, I don't want to say let's swing back five or 10 plus years. <laughs> I want to know, like everyone has a really good backstory on, on how they got into their profession today. So I want to know, like, how did this all stumble upon? Like, was this like an instant idea? Was no. this through trials and tribulations of just finding yourself? How did this all come together for you? Mm. Uh, well, I guess the short answer, because that's a pretty long one. 
uh, <laughs> but I was, uh, I, I worked for the army for a long time. And um, I taught life skills courses and management skills classes. And so I had that background and, you know, 15 years later, I decided that I was going to open a coaching practice. I was working for kids or with kids and teaching them how to draw sexual boundaries. I was working with teenagers um, and I was, you know, teaching them how not to be bullied and all of those kinds of things. Um, what I found is that when I was in the schools teaching, uh, the kids were very receptive. I would have parent meetings and the parents and the teachers just weren't as supportive of the kids. So any of the changes that we had talked about were not going to be relevant in their lives. They didn't have the support to make them happen. So I decided, how do I make that happen? Um, and I decided that if we work with mothers, then they will, you know, if we teach mothers these same skills, they are going to pass them on to their children so that they don't need me. <laughs> and so I started a coaching practice about building confidence. And um, I, I worked exclusively with women for quite a while. And in the course of that time, I was writing books about confidence and how to be, um, you know, a more confident person and how to be a more confident entrepreneur. And um, then I had this experience when, you know, I, I did that and it wasn't fantastic. And I decided that if I could write my own ticket, then I was going to help other people publish their books. So that's how that came to be. Let's talk about confidence for a second. All right. Would, would you say, would you say confidence is a skill set? How can one develop confidence? Because you know, you could start with just anywhere, but not everyone has confidence. You could be 50 years old and walk this earth for 50 years, and you don't have any confidence, right? right. So how can we develop confidence? Well, confidence is actually it comes from the Latin word confidere, which means to trust. And so there's a lot of people that think confidence equals self-esteem, and that's not quite true. So confidence is really trusting that you will be supported in every moment. And I know that you are. I know that you have every reason to be confident because you have been supported in every moment, because if you and I hadn't been, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So if confidence is trust and trusting that you will be supported, self-esteem is believing and that you are worthy of the support. And so sometimes if you have a trust issue, because let's say you don't trust yourself to make decisions because you've made bad decisions in the, in the past, or you, haven't, you don't trust that you can choose a good partner, or you don't choose, you know, whatever you're choosing, um, that doesn't happen well. And um, so that's a trust issue. But if you have a worthiness issue, well, I don't deserve to have good things happen to me. I don't deserve to have support. I don't deserve, I'm not worthy of getting clients or I'm not worthy of people reading what I have to say. Um, that's a whole different set of skills, but they are skill sets. Um, and I think anybody can learn it. I think anybody can achieve it. And it's so much better when you feel it deeply inside and it becomes a part of your cellular makeup as opposed to, I'm gonna fake it till I make it. So let's, let, let's, let's blend this all together. All right. Let's make all of this come together, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really excited for this. I'm, I'm really excited. Okay. So my, my thing is this. In the line of what you do, you know, you're help. You're pretty much helping people uh, magnify, you know, uh, you know, their their stories and tell their stories. But in order for someone to tell their story, they have to be confident enough 
to tell this story. So I kind of see how that kind of like aligns a little bit. And the reason why I'm saying that is because when I started writing, my process of writing this book, I started on back in 2018. I can't remember what specific month, but I remember the day like it was yesterday. I was on the train. I was on the Metro North. I was heading down to Manhattan and I started typing in my iPhone. I opened up the notes, started jotting away. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. But I did not have the confidence at the time. I was just writing with emotion, right? So when I got into the studio and we talked about this before we, you know, before we went online, when I got into the studio to record the audiobook, the confidence level wasn't there. But that was me speaking about it, right? From the audio terms. But from the writing terms, I was just writing with emotion. You've worked with so many people in the line of work that you do. What are some uh, you, you, tips and tricks to, uh, you know, elevate, I don't even say just elevate, but, but just get over the hump, really get over the hump, get out your own way. There's a lot of writer's block. Um, if someone has, you know, a lot of, I wouldn't say, you know, unresolved trauma and they're writing about it, they don't want to talk about it, they're not confident. How do you get over that? Well, you dive in and you do it. <laughs> um, and, and what what I really, what it comes down to is that every author I've worked with, no matter who it was, how, what their level of fame was, what their level of, you know, expertise was, has really gone through some of the same processes. And that is as they begin to write, even if they're writing about their expertise and not necessarily a personal memoir or something like that, um, they begin to open the process of becoming vulnerable. And that's what you have to do when you are, I swear that being an author is the most vulnerable thing you will ever do. It is worse, I think, than being naked in Times Square um, because you are putting your heart and soul, your knowledge, whatever it is that you're writing about um, down on paper to be printed and to be critiqued and judged by the rest of the world for all of eternity. <laughs> that is a pretty um, intimidating process. And so what I find is that it's, there, are, there are sections, if you will, or there are times in the, in the writing process and in the marketing process and the launch process where most authors need a little bit more help um, than usual. And what happens is that authors go through what I call the gathering place and they actually open up old wounds. They, um, all of the things that they thought they had healed and come to grips with and, and you know, are not a, an issue for them anymore. Now all of a sudden are going to be, and they need just a little bit of support as they go through that, but it's a beautiful place. The gathering place is wonderful because what happens is that in order to up level, we have to open all that up. We go and dig in a little bit deeper. We, we have a more profound healing, if you will. And, um, and it doesn't matter whatever it is. And um, then we get to scavenge for the tools and that we need to operate on the next level because right now we currently don't have them. And so if they didn't go through this gathering place or this time, I would be more concerned um, <laughs> because that means that they're really not putting their all into this. And um, because in order to get out what they need for the next level, they have to be willing to, to break it open um, and explore it. 
Man, I'm so excited for this interview right now. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited. Because, but, you know, what makes it so exciting is because I've, my experience writing has been a absolute roller coaster. Mm -hmm. I hired someone through LinkedIn mm -hmm. as an editor, mm -hmm. just really bad, just mm -hmm. extremely bad. Mm -hmm. um, from the self-publishing side, mm -hmm. if I could do it all over again, I swear I would do it 10 times differently. Um, sure. I would do it so, I would do it so differently. Uh, for, right. for the reason of not gathering enough information, not connecting the dots, not really looking at, you know, uh, the pieces that I need around me, plus the entire world was changing because of the pandemic. So it's like, mm, this is the perfect time to be innovative. If I, if I trip and fall on my face, I'm gonna get back up. Every single person is tripling, is tripping and, and stumbling right now the world's at a standstill. So I'm like, what better time to get this book out there than right now? And I want to know your take on this. You know, then we'll switch gears for a second. So I was thinking about this out loud prior to our interview. And I was like, okay, like my book, this is like a raw copy. And I am a really big reader. I, I've read a lot of books and there are a lot of old school books that, that I've read that are like really raw copies. And there are some you know, typos here and there, but you love a raw copy because it's raw, it's unfiltered. It's like smack mountain in your face. And it's a really good story. And they're not, uh, what's the word? They're, they're not leaving any stones unturned, right? So I wanted to know your take on that. I, I really wanted to know your take on that. Um, What's your take on a, a raw copy of a book that's out there, but you've got some really good reviews for it, but you know you want to release another edition. So I, I wanted to know your take on, you know, when I read like say Napoleon Hill, Dr. Joseph Murphy, I've read so much books and they were raw, but I loved it. I never complained about it. But I wanted to know your take on that. Well, I think um, progress over perfection always. <laughs> Come on with it. Come on, Sheila. Let's go. Come on with it. Come on. With it. Um, and and what happens is, you know, when we find typos, when we find grammar mistakes, when we, you know, those kinds of things, I feel like those are more forgivable. What I don't find is that an unclear purpose. And so that is one of the things that I walk every author that comes to me for whatever through is that they have to create, they have to fill out a discovery um, sheet for me about what their goals for the book are, what their reader outcomes will are, they think that they will be, um, why they're doing what they're doing. And um, then I also have them create a book avatar. So who is this book for? Who is the main audience? You know, and, and there's more than one audience for most books, but what is the main one? And then we'll do the peripheral ones later in like micro campaigns um, or marketing campaigns anyway. And um, I, I cannot handle when <laughs> there's an author that's unclear about what they wanted their reader to get out of it. So, you know, storytelling for the sake of storytelling is fine. However, usually I'm going to need a takeaway if you are, if you want me to invest my time and energy because it's at a premium. And so I want you to be really clear about what I'm going to get out of it. And I want you to be really clear about how you tell me. And I want the stories that you share with me to be relevant to the point you're trying to make and not just, oh, this is what I've done in my life. 
I don't really, you know, that, that doesn't matter as much to people, but what is it in terms of them? Where can they connect with you? And I find a lot of books want to share their expertise, but they won't include the personal connection points and that's to their detriment. Wow. Amen. Uh, for my listeners, if you guys are not getting any goodies out of this, you need to, <laughs> you need to start this interview all over. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, we're we're going to swing into a marketing question in a second, but I do have a quick question for you. This is a really quick take and you got to answer this one fast. So if you had to choose yeah. reading paperback, ebook style, or listening to an audio book, what do you prefer and why? Go. Uh, paper, or I would prefer paperback because um, I do most of my reading on the computer as it is. So that to me feels like work instead of enjoyment. So I want to feel it in my hands. I want to curl up in the in the chair and, and get snu and snuggle with it. So I love that. I, yeah. I love. I, yeah, I could tell you really love paperback because yeah. you answered that so fast. <laughs> I really want. I really want to know your spin on that. Yeah. Um, but I will know, tell you, you know, one thing. I mean, I'm going to tell you one thing. I think that everybody needs to have an audiobook if they can afford it and swing it. Audiobooks are not necessarily as lucrative as the other two formats, but. Um, there are so many people that are listening because they can't read or they cannot. And I mean that like I did a, a talk in front of the um, Blind and Visually Impaired Association. And, you know, I brought my books with me. I did this whole, you know, hour long talk and everything else. And they were like, I was like, oh, do you want to buy the books? And they're like, do you have an audio copy? I was like, no, never even occurred to me that they wouldn't be able to read the book. And so there is an entire population of people that cannot read for whatever reason. Um, so you are ignoring a whole, you know, pop, like I said, population of people that could be dedicated, loyal fans and readers. I think you, know, you make a really good point because audio is huge now because of Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. It is a powerhouse in audio. Right. And Clubhouse for, for one is just one big old podcast. Mm -hmm. And if you're sitting there and you're getting so much value, what's to say if, if someone is providing value, say, you know, Margaret, she's a real estate investor. You're in her real estate rooms in Clubhouse every day. If she decides to say, you know what, maybe I should just turn this into an audiobook. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe I should do that. And the level of innovation, this is something, man, this, I'm really hyped right now. I'm really getting excited because <laughs> so much different ideas. <laughs> I told, I told you, I said, Sheila, I'm like, look, when we start recording, it's go time. And I'm really fired up, but I'm learning so much because you make a very good point. I know, um, a couple people personally, personally that are at a certain age and they cannot read, mm -hmm. you know, they just did not have either the access to the education at the time or just the way they grew up, they didn't have the access. Um, I mean, no excuses of it, but from the audio side, I communicate with some people because I know they can't read. And that, that, that's, a, that, that's totally fine, but to make it comfortable, you make a really good point. I love that point. Because I literally did this the other day, I was communicating with someone, then it hit me, he cannot read. So I sent him a voice message and he responded right away. Sure. So like you make a really good point. I'm going to, I got to jot that down. Well, so and the, no, the other part of that is that there are some people that are just audio, audio, auditory learners. And so they only take in information if they hear it. And so, um, you know, if you are again, eliminating a whole population of people that 
won't have access to what you're reading because they know they don't learn it by reading it. Right, absolutely. So let's talk about the marketing aspect of being an author. Okay. I want to know, you know, it, it, again, I'm just going to use myself for, for example. I mean, it's perfect. I, I get, I get, <laughs> it's like a cheat sheet for me. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, I wanted to know in terms of like the marketing aspect, if COVID, does, uh, you know, if this pandemic doesn't happen, COVID doesn't exist, mm-hmm. someone releases a book, it's easy to have a pop-up event at a Barnes and Nobles and do your book signings and, you know, create that uh, quote unquote book tour. But, you know, if everything's shut down and remotely, how do you operate? I mean, I have my personal take, I'm big on podcasting. Podcasting would be my thing. Um, but I want to know your side of it. Like, what has the process been for you in terms of just like being innovative, like thinking on the spot? Mm-hmm. Because if you did not, if you haven't elevated what you're doing now, of course you got left behind. So I want to know, how have you stayed to flow? Okay. So as far as like releasing books, so you have a virtual party, you have a celebration online. What is wonderful about that is that you have access to thousands more people than you ever would if you had an event in a specific location. So you actually, it actually works to your advantage. The other part is that if you record that, whether you're doing Facebook Live, uh, you know, doing it on Zoom, however you're doing it, um, you have that recorded, you have marketing gold for the lifetime of that book. So you get to take clips from that and you get to share that out. You also get to share the recording for all of the people that weren't able to attend live. They now, you don't have that if I was in a Barnes and Noble and did a a book signing. You know, like you don't have any of that to to be able, you know, maybe you have a photographer there that's taking pictures and maybe somebody sets up a, you know, something on their iPhone. However, you just don't have that same kind of um, experience. So that has been, I think, very beneficial that most people you know, originally thought this is terrible, but it really actually works more to their advantage. The other thing, and this is like some of the major publishers, you know, the top six were doing is that they were creating book tours with their authors and they did it through independent bookstores. And so the independent bookstores were sponsoring a virtual book tour. They would, the author would come and do kind of like a Q&A or a reading or whatever it was online. They would publicize it to their people and they would buy the books through that bookstore. Um, and so that was, so people were still having 13, 14, 15, 20 city book tours from the comfort of their living room. And so that is absolutely a positive, you know, benefit to that happening. What we're seeing now that was working six months ago, eight months ago, which is not necessarily working now is that people are a little over the virtual thing. They're a little over sitting and being, you know, and we talked about what's the perfect length for an event um, online, whether it's a podcast or whatever. Um, what we found is that people check out after about 20, 25 minutes. And so whatever you're doing, it has to be short, sweet, and to the point um, so that you keep those, those um, attendees engaged and um, not leaving, you know, or not coming at all because they think you're going to be too long-winded. Man, it's, and, you know, you make a really good point, uh, man. <laughs> I am so glad I got, I, I got privileged <laughs> to the playback because, this is like a webinar. 
This is like a <laughs> webinar. Sorry. I, I, no, it's no, it's really good because I this is why I got into this is definitely why I got into podcasting. And this is what I talked about prior to us recording. I swear, like the pieces started coming together and you make so much good points. I definitely, we're definitely going to connect offline because I think nice. we just became best friends. So I just want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what are some, what are some struggles? Um, you know, if, if there are any in your industry, in the line of what you do, what are some struggles that you're seeing, uh, you know, people constantly make the same mistakes is it they don't know how to market themselves they don't know what the book is about how long the book should be i'm going to give you a quick example so one of my i would say it was a hurdle i wanted to find a book that i could kind of like mirror my book after in a sense of how many chapters the length the size the width everything so i literally i literally uh mirrored my book from the four agreements okay. so the same size same amount of chapters same pages. So I wanted to know, um, what are some identical uh, like little issues that you're seeing? Like, why does everyone keep doing that? Like, is that coming up for you? <laughs> well, I will say that one of the, the trends now, it, it, you, when self-publishing became something that was more popular, um, six by nine was a typical size. And it was exciting, you know, and that was something that, you know, most of them did. Um, now what we're seeing is the trend is to do a five by eight book. And that is because that is a typical paperback size for a traditional top six publishing firm. And so they didn't want six by nines typically, you know, shout at people that they are self-published. Um, some people just really don't want to have that stigma attached. So they're, so I'm finding that some people are publishing in the five by eight because that's more in line with what the traditional publisher are doing for paperback size. I want to know your take on this. Mm -hmm. If you had, you know, let, let's say no experience, no background in, in what you're doing right now, and you had to choose, and of course a good why behind it, mm -hmm. would you go, which route would you go? Would you go published, of course, with an agency, with the team, or would you go self-published? No, I just... I'd go self-publish all the way. Um, there's there, and there's a couple of reasons why. You know, I'm not dogging the traditional, you know, publishers, um, but there's a lot of things that there's so many things. First thing is that sometimes you have to give up the rights to your content. I don't want anybody to have control over my content. Um, so that's an issue. And I, I always, you know, like want people to, to make sure that they're aware of that. The other thing is timeline. You're on their timeline, not yours. So if you are, not that I want anybody to be in a hurry, but sometimes you're not slated to publish for another year and a half. That's a long time to sit and wait. Um, you know, and that's just where you fit into their their layout schedule. So, you know, that's not cool for a lot of people. Um, the other thing is the, is the profit margin. And I have to be honest, I, I just feel like, you know, people dog that will say vanity publishers or hybrid publishers that they shouldn't have to pay for publishing, et cetera, et cetera. Well, let me explain that to you. <laughs> because um, what happens is that you end up paying for it, all of those services and more. You just don't have to come up with the money up front necessarily if you go with self-publishing as opposed or traditional publishing as opposed to self-publishing. Um, 
let's say you have to pay or you get to pay $5,000 to have your book published that pays for the book cover, the formatting, the editing, um, a, a minor marketing, you know, a marketing campaign, that kind of thing. Um, and, and then you have your book and you get to keep all of the profits, all of the royalties that come through. Okay. And so let's say on the average book, you're selling it for $19, $19.99 and you are paying $3 for that book. So if you sell it yourself, you're making, you know, 16, $15 per book. That's fantastic. If you're selling it through Amazon or one of the other platforms, um, you're going to make anywhere between seven and $10 a, a book. Um, for the paperback copy at that same price. If you sell it in a bookstore, keep in mind, that is not the place that you want to have your book sold because you will only make one or $2 as opposed to seven or $8 um, because of the way the discount works and they buy on consignment. Um, but that's a whole nother topic. But when you have traditional publishers, um, the the author makes on average 12% of whatever the royal whatever the retail price is so that means that 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 1999 book is now you only get a dollar 20 and that's all you get <laughs> So, and they get the rest of it. So all of that money that you think that you didn't have to come up with, you end up, you do that times five, think about how much money they're making. So they're making, let's say $7 a book. And let's say you sell in the first year or so, 10,000 books, they've made $70,000 on your book and you've only made 7,000. That's not right. <laughs> That's not right. So I just, you know, I, it's in their best interest. They're going to make the most money. They're going to, um, and it's not, um, you know, I mean, traditional publishing, if I have something to say, I shouldn't need validation from anyone else to go ahead and say it. I need to have the confidence to speak my mind, to write what I need to write and to present it. Does that mean everybody is going to be a bestseller? Absolutely not. Does that mean that everybody's going to have thousands and thousands and thousands of books that they're going to sell? No, but there is somebody. And that's the thing that I work with them with on is helping them find their audience and helping them to expand their audience because that's, you know, the traditional publishers don't care about that. They're doing their little part. And then you're on your own. And if you have to come with a marketing plan and you have to come with, um, you know, what you're going to do to sell books and you have to do it, then you may as well keep the money. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> when I say, sorry, I know that was long. <laughs> no, that was, no, that was, that was the information we needed to hear. Mm -hmm. The first thing I thought of when you said all of that was the music industry. Mm -hmm. Very identical, very identical. Being signed to a label versus mm -hmm. being independent. Yeah. yeah. Same. I, I can't believe mm -hmm. the way you just broke down those numbers. Mm -hmm. I am flabbergasted. I, 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 I am lost for words because I know, I know people recently that went the traditional route. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm looking at their content. I'm looking how they're pushing the book. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. 
but it, it, it like it just didn't make any sense to me. But you made a very good point just to swing back that whole not having rights to your own content. Mm -hmm. I just think that's crazy, especially the time now to be a content creator. Right. Like right now, I, I don't want anyone having my rights. I can't imagine if I went that route. Mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine. And I mean, that it doesn't insane. happen for everybody. So I don't want to, to mislead anybody saying that that's the only way. And sometimes there's a time limit. So for six years or for five years or whatever it is that you can't alter the content of the book at all. And so you can't teach from it. You can't do another edition. You can't expand on it. You can't do anything with it. So um, that just totally goes against everything in me <laughs> um, because that is something that you've worked hard. Your brilliance, you should be able to shine in it and to let somebody else make money off of what you have poured your blood, sweat and tears into. I just have a real issue with that. You know, I mean, that's just me. That doesn't mean that everybody's doing it that way. And it doesn't mean that you can't negotiate down the con the clause. Um, you know, but I mean, that's the thing. It's a, it's the same kind of thing where there's so many authors today and I, you know, every single one of them thinks their book needs to be a movie. And, um, <laughs> you know, that's cute. And, and I, I <laughs> but not every story is, is movie worthy, first of all. Um, and, and I don't, everybody has a story and it's worth telling. So I don't mean to discourage anybody. It's just, let's put our expectations where they belong and not put in our energy into things that are probably not going to happen. Um, but once they buy the rights to the, the story, they can do with it whatever they want. And, you know, they, they don't necessarily have to keep it in line with, you know, that's why so many movies are different than the books. Um, and you have no say. Like Holes. I love yeah. the movie Holes. <laughs> we, they made us read that in, in, I believe it was elementary school. I don't know yeah. what grade, I think third, fourth grade. But, oh man, I love the movie more than the book. The, yeah. Although the book was really good. The book was really good. When you say that, I that was the first movie I thought about, but of course, Harry Potter, um, sure. one of the biggest uh, series. And I want to dive into that in a second. But what's really interesting, what's really interesting is my last guest prior to you mm -hmm. is a children's book author. Mm -hmm. And he is killing it. He mm -hmm. is killing it. Mm -hmm. And the reason why he's killing it is because he knows his target audience, mm -hmm. children, kids. Well, but here's the thing. First of all, kids are really, the children's book industry is tough. Um, first of all, it's saturated. Everybody thinks they can write a children's book and that's okay. Neither here nor there. Um, so finding a unique selling point is huge. Why you're, your last, I, I listened to that interview and why he's doing so well is because he's willing to do the groundwork. There are very few people that are willing to go and read to kids. There are very few people um, that are willing to put in as much work as he has. And um, I think that's one of the number one disappointments for every author is that, you know, they believe that their book is the field of dreams. They build it and they will come. And that is not the case. Um, you have to go out there and, and sell it and hustle it and share it and every day. And it's not something that goes away. You have this book for the lifetime of <laughs> you and, and, you know, whatever. Um, and so it has to be a continual process. Selling to books to kids 
is difficult because you're not marketing to kids, you're marketing to their parents and teachers and librarians. And that's a whole different ballgame. So you have to prove the content is worthy. It's not just let me show them a cute picture of a dog and they're going to, the kids are going to want it. And it's going to, you know, it's not like a toy. Um, we don't have commercials about books um, that will grab kids' attention. So we have to figure out ways to attract attention from their, the adults. And there's a thousand, I mean, there's thousands of people that are vying for that same, their same eyeballs. Um, so it's really, you have to be really specific about your positioning piece um, and the positioning of your book. Man, you know, man, this is getting really interesting because the process, there's so many avenues you could go. Absolutely. There's the, there's the, there's the educational route. Mm -hmm. You could make a, a book on how to's. Mm -hmm. um, there's of course, children's books, as we just mentioned, there's so many different routes that you could go. I am literally, I'm, I'm getting fired up right now. Mm -hmm. And also just to follow up on your point, I, I don't, I also believe that not everyone's caught, uh, cut out to do uh, children's books. You have to have, in my personal opinion, you got to have this type of personality. You got to have this charisma. You can't be talking in front of a group of kids. All right, kids, we're just going to turn to page four. They're not going to be entertained like that. I got a two-year-old, okay? I got a two-year-old that, like, it, it's to keep her engaged, you got to do these voices. You got you have to have energy, enthusiasm. Not everyone has that. And, of course, you want to be in alignment with your assignment, and you want to you, you want to be in the business for the right reasons. If you're here just to make a profit rather than the influence that you could have in that next generation, oh, you're you're in for a treat. You're really in for a treat. Yeah, yeah. Really in for well, a treat. And, and a lot of them will never be in front of kids reading, um, you know, and that's to their detriment and that kind of thing. Some of them have never read their book aloud. <laughs> to even hear how it should be read or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I just actually, we just published a, a children's book and it is, it was very interesting how the author was very consumed with how it looked and how it sounded. And it was more, you know, I was like, okay, this isn't grammatically correct. And he's like, yeah, but it's poetic. And this is, we, we've got to keep this meter. We've got to keep, because this will keep the kids, you know? And so it was a very interesting process. And it was, it took all that I am to be like, okay, settle down. It doesn't have to be perfect because the kids aren't going to know that the comma should have been there and the word should have been, you know, that kind of thing um, because they will get more out of it the way he wanted it to be done. So um, yeah, it's, it's really about knowing, you know, the kids and, and what they're capable of, you know, people submit children's books to me all the time and they use vocabulary that they would never know and they would never understand. Um, they don't realize who they're actually writing to. So it's, a, it's an interesting process. All right, let, let, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So the Zebra, <laughs> the zebra Inc., and I believe uh, behind you it says, be the change that you want to see in the world. Did, did I read it that is. right? Did it it say is. that? Okay, awesome. Yes. And that's a Zebra. Yes. That's, sorry, sorry. Yes. Here, there you go. Okay. <laughs> and that's a Zebra. So I, <laughs> I want to know, uh, yeah. You want to know the zebra story? I do want to know the zebra story. You know what? <laughs> Let's dive into the zebra story because I wanted okay. to know, did you predict, was there any predictions as far as like, okay, like everything's shutting down 
did you still predict, you know, production to still be moving? And also my second question would be, where do you see your brand and your business now that outside is opening up? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some states never closed. Uh, (laughs) Since outside is opening up, Mm -hmm. uh, where do you see uh, the brand and the business going now that everyone is kind of like itching for that human interaction within the next six months to a year? But I want to know, how did you come up with the name? Well, um, the name it actually, it, uh, I have this thing for zebras and the reason being, and I'll make this really short, uh, about 10 years ago, I was going through a really hard time and I felt like I didn't have any choices. And I said to, um, a friend of mine that I didn't have any choices. The rock was coming towards me. I was in the corner. I was going to get smashed. I, there was nothing I could do. And he reminded me that, yes, Sheila, you always have a choice. And so I started thinking about what those choices might be. And I indeed did have a different choice and I made it and I slayed the giant and I got myself out of that situation. And it was the most empowering day that I had ever experienced that I couldn't necessarily choose myself out of the situation, but I can always choose my reaction. And that was something I did. I wanted to share with people the rest of my life. And so a couple of months later, I was reading a poem by Shel Silverstein and it was called The Thing About Zebras. And he had asked the zebra, are you black with white stripes or white with black stripes? And the zebra answered with questions like, well, are you good with bad habits or bad with good habits? Are you neat with sloppy ways or sloppy with neat ways? And it went on and on and on. And what that did is when I saw that and I read it, I I now use the zebra print as a visual reminder that I always have the power to choose. And that creates all of this internal power. And so um, when I was looking for names that for my publishing company and the brand, the imprint, if you will. Um, I was like, these are people that are choosing to tell their stories. They're choosing to share their wisdom. They are choosing to have the confidence and in the face of vulnerability and they're doing it anyway. And um, that's how that came to be. Wow. I haven't heard anyone reference so Silverstein. Very, very long time. I used to, I used to read his books as a kid. I used to read his books as a kid. And I believe he he must've passed a long, long, long time ago. Cause I know he passed when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but man, oof, mm-hmm. you just like my, my, my whole, my whole yeah. facial expression changed when you, when, yeah. when you were saying that, I'm like, mm, well, right. and there's a whole product line that comes, you know, that yeah. that's one of the things that I'm working on in the next year is, um, uh, we'll just put it this way, a zebra product line um, that reminds people, that creates visual reminders for people to be, to choose to be confident, to choose to be vulnerable, to choose to be brilliant, um, to choose to, to do the things that they need to do. Um, and um, so that's that's been something fun that has been a result of the pandemic. Um, you asked me, my business thrived in the pandemic. I took my business virtually probably in 2013 so or 2014. And so I was very accustomed to, you know, I didn't miss a beat. Like my business didn't change at all. I have, I have clients all over the world. So I don't, that didn't stop me. And, and so I was very accustomed already to, trying to pull people into the virtual world and this just made it easier. So all of a sudden they were like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So for me, the pandemic 
didn't really change anything. What did happen is that people realized their mortality and they, they realized that there were some things they needed to say and they hadn't been saying them. And so they started writing or they started wanting to speak or they started wanting to do, you know, those kinds of things. So um, it also blossomed. And so there were a lot of people that were all of a sudden wanting to write books and needed to get their, you know, they needed to do more with the books that they already wrote um, or, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it's been actually beautiful for me personally. Um, it's been challenging because you don't get to do business as usual, but I'm always on the hunt for creating the new trend. And so it's been interesting for me, how do we do that? Um, and, you know, sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. And, you know, I'm a little more tolerant of spaghetti on the wall at this point in the game because we're dealing with a very unsure world. Um, but there are still some solids that I, you know, don't change um, in, the, in the marketing process of, of books and authors. Yeah. What an interview. And unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, we are coming towards the end. Yes. Time just flies by, I swear. I know. <laughs> so my, my, my last question, um, you know, we dived into so much. Uh, man, this was so good. This was really, really good. What, what would you want the audience and the listeners to take away from um, this podcast interview, this particular episode? Uh, we, we talked about so much. You, mm -hmm. You've, you've, you've went above and beyond with the value that you provided. So I, I want to say thank you because, you know, a lot of people, they, they come into podcasts and I could always tell back when someone's holding back some really good information. And this is why a lot of people listen to podcasts because they want to get really good information. And also it's a great way for them to connect with, you know, professionals just like yourself. So I want to know, what do you want the audience and the listeners to take away from this uh, episode? Well, everybody has a story of some sort to share. And it is really important to pass it on. And, um, you know, if you don't know where to start, think about the one thing that you would want to share that you've learned that you would want to share with somebody else and um, start there. And there are lots of ways. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to publish a book. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you have to be on stage or whatever. Uh, what it does mean, though, is that you get to impact a life, and that is a life worth living. And so I would just encourage people to dig in and find their story, be willing to share it. And if they want to put it in into, you know, other forms, as in spe keynote speeches or books or, you know, movies even, um, then let's talk because there's lots of ways to be brilliant and to shine, um, but just be prepared that it's also a lot of work. <laughs> Sheila, I also want you to do, I also want you to um, do me a solid and please yeah. shout yourself out. Uh, shout out your social media, uh, your website, where people can find you and stay connected. Okay. Um, you know, I'm on all the social media channels as the Zebra Inc. Uh, I think is, is my handle on just about anything, you know, Twitter and Instagram and, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, I'm on TikTok. I'm on, I am on Clubhouse, not too much. Um, 
but yeah, all there. My website is thezebrainc.com and it's ink with a K. Um, so we're talking about ink like that we write with, not, not you know, the corporation. And um, I love to connect with people. I'd love to hear stories. I'd love to be able to, to give you some, some information, answer your questions. Um, I don't want anybody to have questions because they're, they're easy enough to answer. Well, you have it, guys. And this wraps up another incredible, impactful interview. Uh, guys, like always, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. You can stream this episode and all episodes of the St. Clair Speak Show podcast, now streaming on Spotify, Audible, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Overcast, Radio Public. You can watch this full interview from start to finish on YouTube. Don't forget to click the links in the episode description, connect with Sheila, reach out if you are an aspiring author and you got a story to tell. We want to hear it. This is the St. Clair Speak Show. I'll see you guys in the next one. It's that time. I'm out. Peace.